Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Authentic Q Media, featuring radio, TV, webinars, and live events worldwide. And today, presenting the debut show of Interviews with Authentic Q, with your co-host, Michelle Abo, author, international speaker, also known as the celebrity numerologist, and Jeffrey Miller, author, international speaker, and also known as the interventionist. And now, here's Michelle and Jeff. Enjoy the show. Well, good day to the entire earth. What a phenomenal day to be alive. This is absolutely fantastic, and I want to thank you all for being with us today on Interviews with Authentic You. My co-host, Michelle, should be in at about halftime. She had some family things that had to be taken care of. You know what it's like when you have children. That said, we have a fantastic friend of mine on as a guest today, Mr. Jazz Razul, and I will be introing Jazz in just a few minutes, but I wanted to give you a little bit of history. Jazz was born in 1966 in a village in Pakistan, not far from the Himalayas. He's lived in the UK since 1970. Coming from those humble beginnings, he also moved up and went through university, graduated with a degree in physics in 1992, a master's degree in molecular biology in 1993, both from the University of London. He went on to teach for many years on the physics behind the mind-body medicine and the biology of the human mind, delivering training in Europe, the United States, and also in the Caribbean. In 2000, after training with several masters in Chinese medicine and manual, excuse me, martial arts, he went on to train existing practitioners into fully-fledged instructors. A strong focus developed in treating patients with stress and hormone-related disorders, as well as clients with issues around motivation and empowerment. From 2002, his work led him to the new best practices in stress management and also performance coaching. They were applied at the HELP, the Health Counseling Center in London, run by Richard Branson's Virgin Unite Foundation. He also worked with diplomats and executives at the United Nations in Switzerland, with celebrities in Hollywood, USA, executives and staff in BT, and also with board and international directors of Unilever at their Vitality-themed rebranding in 2004. Although Jazz was creating elements of the Energy Diamond as far back as 1989, he organized the Energy Diamond components into a holistic system of coaching in 2005. His present-day job is a business coach. He is also up at consultancy to bring personal development from the East and the West together into a new system of personal and business coaching. After many years' experience in high-level executive coaching, he created his system of coaching, which is known as Energy Diamond, and soon set up his company, Energy Diamond Consulting. His background in science, mind-body medicine, and computing has led him to write online social networking software, social vitamins, as you say in the UK, we say in vitamins over here, that profiles people by their learning and wisdom. Social vitamins matches people to others who they could share learning with, discover resonance, and unfold purpose. It also helps people discover their life's true vibe, so to speak, and then connects them to others, forming communities of people who complement one another's vibe, known as the Vibe Tribes. Jazz Razul writes and presents on the practical side of bringing science spirituality and business together while helping clients implement principles in life and work for improved vitality, service, and meaning. I would like to introduce you all to Mr. Jazz Razul. Hi, Jazz. How are you? I'm very well, Jeffrey. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, I can hear you fine, and I, I knew we had a little bit of a call-in thing uh, from the U.K. to the U.S. trying to get onto this international uh, radio program, and I want to thank you so much for being with us. I know it's 9 o'clock p.m. in jolly old London town. That's right. It's uh, late in the day here, but uh, a whole day's been completed practically already. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited uh, as we've got a lot of information to go through. I mean, that is an awful lot of of, of background, sir. I am honored to have you with us. Uh, I'm also honored to call you friend and to have spent time with you in personal conference, Jazz, you and I talking about this that is going on on this planet these days. Uh, from the the shifts, so to speak, as we talk about it, to varying degrees of people in consciousness, and as we call it, are you awake yet? And uh, as we've spoken on a numerous amount of times on that, it's quite interesting. So first of all, uh, even though I was able to to really give a good intro about you and who you are, I'd love for you to tell the audience, you know, your your humble beginnings and how you got going to where you are today. Well, it, it is humble in the sense that, um, you know, uh, I was born a boy in a village in a very rural part of Pakistan, not far from the Himalayas. And there are times in my life where I'm with certain kinds of people, like, for example, members of the royal family here in England and celebrities in Hollywood. And sometimes I can't really believe I'm standing in front of those people because what happens is at moments like that, all I see is, for example, I was with Princess Anne a few years back uh, from the royal family here in England, and I was standing there in a DJ and talking to her, and all I could think of was that I'm a village boy <laughs> talking to a princess, you know? And um, I never lose that sense of my roots because it, I think it keeps me really well grounded, you know? Right. I'm having a little bit of trouble with the with the audio jazz. I'm trying to clean it up on this end. I don't know that I can. I don't know if there's any way of you getting either closer to the mic or are you on speaker or a headset? Uh, no, I've got a microphone. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah. It was just a little bit muffled. It was almost echoey. It's probably just the distance we're speaking with the, the lines the way they are. I know it's a lot of cable to go across the Atlantic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a, bit, there's, there's a bit of a delay, uh, but then that's to be expected. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So that said, we were talking earlier today about how you got to where you are today. I mean, absolutely fantastic when, I don't know if everybody, you know, those that know you might know that story about how you awoke one late evening, more or less woke up. You really woke up, woke up, and then how you woke up another morning, which would have been the next morning, correct? Yeah, um I grew up in England. I was uh, I came here when I was four years old. Um, my father um, came to live in South England, there, the main airport here in England, uh, Gatwick Airport. And I went and got educated uh, in school. And when I was very young, I saw the film Star Wars, and like many young people, I, I guess I wanted to be like Luke Skywalker. I wanted to go running around the galaxy. And I thought the closest thing I'm going to probably get to that would be to be an astronaut. And I told my career teacher this, and he he laughed when I was about, I think, 15 years old, and we were being given career guidance. And he said, you know, with your grades, it's not likely. So what's interesting is I pulled myself together, and I got some academic awards. I did really well in, in school. And I went on to actually start a degree in astrophysics. And um, a few years later, I graduated, and I was going to go to NASA and apply to be a mission specialist. But while I was studying uh, astrophysics, I got very interested in quantum physics, which often um, brings up the subject of consciousness and how we actually experience reality. And uh, I decided I was more interested in inner space than outer space at that point. So I went off and did a master's degree in molecular biology and modeling drugs that are used uh, on the brain and the nervous system. I really got to understand how the mind works with the body. And um, some people knew what I was doing and they said, 
Um, do you want to come and teach uh, us on how the mind affects the body? Uh, so I went to various colleges and universities uh, teaching on that. But um, many years later, after working in mind-body medicine and training and things like Chinese medicine, I found myself in a position where I somehow just got stuck in life and I just didn't know how to move forward. And that in itself is a story because one of the consequences was I moved from being uh, in a very good position financially and in my welfare to actually ending up being homeless and sleeping on the street. And when you live the kind of life I have up to that point, that's a hell of a transition. Wow. I know it's 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 amazing. Uh when I, I watched you on an interview uh and it was probably about an hour long, just about as long as we're going to be on, and I listened to the story about how you you know, you had your success, you had your finances in place, you were traveling, you were here, you were there, it was like you were on top of it. And all of a sudden one day it was just kinda of like gone. I mean Wow, I've been there, but I don't know if I've been there, and I don't know if I've I've, I've done. I haven't. You know, we're all unique. Um, you know, my my humble beginnings were humble as well, and how I woke, and you know, realized what my path and my mission was in this life, and I'm still evolving in that. I, I truly believe that, as as we have spoken about. But that that you felt, uh, wow. You know, when a person feels like they're at their last the end of their rope, so to speak, and and you awake uh, and you say, wow, if I can only have this opportunity to wake up tomorrow morning, you know, the differences that I will do, the things that I will do. Uh, and, and you truly, I remember, I remember hearing you say it wasn't that you were so religious. It wasn't a religious thing, but, but knowing that there is a creator, there is a God, you you certainly were asking that night, weren't you? Yeah, I found myself... Um, sleeping behind some garbage cans um, behind a local theatre on concrete floors, a metal gate behind me and um, I it was cold, it was February um, back in 2008 you know, only five, six years ago and I really wondered whether I was going to wake up in the morning because I could have been attacked during the night, I could have died of hypothermia, there's there's a lot of things that could have happened that night. And when you're in a position like that, you you can't really fool yourself because you could blame everybody else in the world for your problems. But the fact is, there's one thing that becomes really clear. Um, you may lose everything. You, know? you may lose your home. You may lose your friends. You may um, just lose your connection with the world. But I found there was still, there was still one thing keeping me company. Um, in in that uh, place behind some garbage cans, which was the truth, the truth of my life, was still keeping me company. And um, when you're alone in a space like that, and you come face to face with certain truths about yourself, and you stop blaming everybody else, and you look at mm. what it is you brought about, then you realise that there's some things you can't fool yourself about anymore or other people. You've got to be straight. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be transparent. Otherwise, an awful lot of energy is going to get wasted in your life. And if you're unlucky, um, there'll be no energy left and you'll be dead. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people that I speak to in the course of, of this business that I do now, which is to do with coaching strategic intervention and, and hypnotherapy and that that I do to help people help people. And you hear amazing stories about how people are waking up, how they're coming into their own fullness of understanding, so to speak. And I know, as I mentioned previously, I feel that. I feel that happening. I feel that change happening myself. It's, a, it's on an intuitive level, I believe, and it's thoughts that come to me uh, and I go, wait a minute, what is this? And I stay in that moment, and I evaluate it. And I think in my previous uh, life, it's been quite a few years on the earth, uh, I can't talk about previous lives before because I don't remember a whole lot about that part, although I do believe in that. But I think as far as this, this lifetime goes, this, this time on earth, 
I never, I never spent much time in that jazz. I never spent much time thinking about the moment. You know, it was always what's happening next, what's happening next, what's happening next. It was almost like a, a, a race to the finish, so to speak. You know, how quickly can I get to the next thing I need to do versus just taking some time and staying within the moment and, and start to understand this that we're at right now. And, you know, there's times I think I'm really off base with that. I, I just don't know sometimes because there's so much information out there about what it is to awaken. What is it supposed to feel like? Well, it's probably something different for everybody because everybody's at a different level. And that's my my evaluation, again, from all the different bits and pieces I've tried to put together on this to have a level of understanding that I can accept it, that I can say, yes, this is really happening. You know, this elevation, this how I feel, different things about me that have, have what I call changed, but in reality, have they really changed? I mean, are they not more like this is who you are? I mean, how, where am I at with that? What are you thinking? Well, the thing about waking up is that it involves the aspect. And this is kind of what I discovered, you know, when I first started being homeless, that um, I'd fallen asleep in my life. And a lot of my past, I'd left unattended, uh, not brought pleasure to. Um, there were a lot of things to my gifts that were going to serve my future that I hadn't honored or taken advantage of. And the consequence of being um, held back by your past and actually, in a way, held forward by your future is that you don't really have much energy left over for the present moment. Now, the consequence is, if you don't have much energy here in the present moment, then you're not very alive. Um, and your will to do things, your ability to do things, isn't actually very free. People talk about free will, but most people don't have that. They don't have free will. Their will is tied to their past. Their will and its energy is tied to their future and their dreams they put on a shelf and they haven't yet attended to. And what happens is because your energy and your will are tied, they're literally obliged to your past and to your future. It means that your will and your energy are not available for you to use and take advantage of opportunities which are right in front of you in the moment that turn up. So um, synchronicities will come and go, but you won't see them because your mind is in the past or it's on the future, and it's not right there in front of you where the synchronicities are coming into your life. And that's one of the things I discovered. I discovered that when I did start to clear my past and bring closure to it, and I did start to take my gifts and start using them uh, to honor my future, then the energy that I had previously locked up in the past and in the future, it started to release, and it became less frozen and more liquid, and it literally spiraled it back to home position, which is here in the present moment. Now, when you get energy come into your life as a result of you clearing your past and the future starting to work for you, um, it's, it's literally creates a kind of a vortex. It literally brings the past and the future and sucks them into the present moment. It literally warps almost space and time around you. And you create a kind of um, uh, a sink through which things in the universe all start to gravitate towards. Because all your energy is no longer in the past. It's no longer in the future. It's here in the present moment. And physics says that wherever there's energy, there's gravity. So once you really start reclaiming your energy from your past and your future, your gravitas, in terms of your character, literally your gravitational field, your presence, actually starts to increase. And things that were very far away from you um, in time and in space, they get closer together. And you find that one of the things that happens is when things get closer together in time, they synchronize, and those things appear in your life as synchronicity. When things come together in space, um, when they were once far apart, they, they coincide and they become coincidences. So when you get both of those things happening together, when you have something happen in the same space at the same time, that's what most people call serendipity. And it's a natural consequence of you clearing your past and honoring your future. All the energy 
coming into the present moment, it brings things closer together. And one of the consequences is that when you're in that position, you find that your consciousness actually starts to extend out into the world, out even into other dimensions. And one of the consequences of that is that you start to become more aware. So that probably segues quite neatly into the next thing that we probably want to talk about, which is um, different levels of consciousness that people can have and what what makes one person up, you know, in one state of consciousness and another person in another state of wakefulness, for example. Because those, those three states I refer to as um, being asleep, sleepwalking, and being awake, they're all related to uh, how much you've been able to clear your path on in your future and be anchored um, and fully grounded in the present moment. So is that something that you want to go on and talk to about now? Absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean, you've, you've, t- you've touched on a lot there. That's a lot of information. <laughs> Talking about the vortex. Um, a lot of people talk about that. They seem to understand it, and then there's those that don't. I guess that's different levels of understanding as to how far somebody really wants to get into it. But isn't it also your level to comprehend it? Um, it's a belief structure. You either believe or you don't, and there's somewhere in between. But, you know, you remember, the, you remember the story, I mean, very vividly about, you know, Alice in Wonderland, how these Alice went down the rabbit hole. And now, of course, they're using that in all kinds of advertisement um, to, to show people, you know, do you want the, this color pill or do you want that color pill? You know, do you want to be awake or do you want to be asleep? And when you talk about energy, I mean, energy is all that is creation. Am I not right? Well, um a long time ago, I was asked to define energy. I was with some scientists and psychologists, and they were all talking about energy in different ways. Some people were talking about it in terms of physics. Some people were talking about it in terms of relationships. And because I've got a background multidisciplinary, um, I was asked if I wouldn't mind offering a definition of what energy might really be. That, that made everybody happy. And I thought about what people were saying, and I thought, well, People who are healers, psychologists, they look at it from the point of view of relationships. The physicists are looking at it in terms of quantities of things, and um, other people are looking at it in terms of how uh, it's something that operates across time and space. Now, I want to create something really simple, which everybody would agree was a great starting point. And I, I figured that really energy is something that shapes relationships between things whether those things are human beings or whether those things are atoms. Um, energy is something that is property of relationship. Now, what I decided at the time was that probably the best definition I could come up with was that energy is about the quantity and quality of relationship um, within a system and between that system and others. So I'll give you an example. In a human being, it's the amount... Um, and the quality of the relationship that person has within, within themselves. But it's also about the quantity and quality relationship they have with everything around them. Now, the fact is, if you change any one of those things, if you change the quality of that relationship, or you change the quality of the relationship between that person and other things around them, you'll find that energy changes. So energy and relationship are kind of um, like yin and yang. You, know, you change energy, you change relationship. If you change relationships between things, then you change their energy. And a perfect example of that is you know, atomic levels. If you change the relationships between the atoms and the molecule, um, then you change its overall energy. And equally, if you change the energy within common um, biology, for example, that can change the relationships between different parts of that person's physical system. So I like the idea of energy being about relationships. Um, you can look at that on a really small scale. You can look at that at galactic or universal scales. You could even say that God is um, the sum of all relationships there are in the universe. You know, um, in that sense, you know, He's the totality of energy that there is in a way that you, you just you just described. 
Wow, fantastic. We ought to try to see if we can move your mic in a little, a little bit, uh, Jazz. I'm not sure if it's going to make a difference or not. It's probably Jazz. Everybody is calling in on the on Skype, by the way, from the UK. Uh, we're we're blessed to have technology that we can do this kind of thing with the uh, cell phone systems the way they are and, and our lines of communication. Uh, that is amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions uh, that you probably get all the time. Well, I know you do quite a few uh, lectures, so to speak. I know there was one last Friday in London, and uh, you had a packed house again, from what I understand. Congratulations. I mean, people are really starting to become aware uh, of the want and desire to learn more about the levels of consciousness and awakening and, and why things are feeling the way they feel. And really when you come down to it, I know there's a lot of discussion about uh, astrological uh, implications on the planet and that that we go to. In other words, you know, back I don't know, a month or two ago, and I'm not, I'm not professional at this and I don't choose to be, folks, so pardon me if I don't quite understand it. However, you know, when they said like when Mercury was in retrograde and things like that, how does that play into this jazz with you? What are you thinking about that? Well, as you know, my first degree is in um, physics. I specialize in astrophysics. And with astrophysics, you really look at the planets from a physical perspective. And um, the only way the planets can influence us from a physical perspective is through gravity. And one of the things I'm very aware of is in the way I just described, when your consciousness becomes focused and your energy returns to you and uh, the energy field around you starts to increase, then one of the consequences is I've described that experience as something to other people that appears that person having more gravitas, literally more weight of character. And um, I'm finding that there seems to be a link between consciousness and uh, gravity, but quite a few scientists recently, major scientists are starting to look at the possibility of, and that they, they, they said something very simple many years ago, which was the possibility that gravity acting on the brain actually gives rise to our consciousness. And if you go to a different environment where gravity is different, like for example in outer space, then because the effect on consciousness is different, you can expect those people in space um, to be in a different state of consciousness. Now, I know many astronauts who've gone up uh, into space um, and come back down. Quite a few of them have had shifts in consciousness. Others um, uh, have you know, gone and had psychological disturbance as a consequence of this. And this is what I originally wanted to study um, when I wanted to go and apply to NASA and uh, see if I could become mission specialist. I wanted to study the effect of low gravity environments on human consciousness. Um, and this is all the physics side of the planet and how they can influence that. So taking astrology you know, to one side, there is, if you like, a science which specifically looks at the influences of uh, gravity on human systems and biology and consciousness. However, um, there's something else, I think, that's not really taken into account it's not necessarily linked to gravity directly. It's more associated with Einstein's views of gravity. Einstein looked at gravity as a form of relationship between the planet um, and between astronomical objects. He looked at it as a form of sacred geometry. It's like um, if you could somehow see space as a three-dimensional um, universe, then it would be arranged in a kind of geometrical fashion. And the arrangement of it, the shape of it, the flow of it, would actually determine gravity in any one place. So it appears that the planets, they have the gravity that they do with respect to one another because of their arrangement with respect to one another. How they're positioned around the sun and the geometry, geometrical relationship they have with one another, that seems to you know, literally affect the fabric of space and solar system. And it's something that human brains seem to be sensitive to. That, that field of the planet is something that uh, human brains are you know, able to be influenced by because, as we said earlier, 
it's gravity is acting on consciousness to give rise to um, our feelings and our thoughts. That's certainly one way of looking at things. But there's another possibility, which is that it's a two-way street, that our minds, our thoughts and feelings through the brain can actually transmit um, things into space and time using gravity. So if that's the case, then whenever the planets shift, it causes shifts in gravity, and that leads to shifts in how the brain works and in the nervous system, and that leads to shifts in our thoughts and feelings, and it's directly related to the geometrical relationship between the planets. And of course, that's what astrology actually uh, focuses on. It looks at how um, planets and moons um, are with respect to one another, what their aspects are, what their angles are, for example. It's, it's really taking the sacred geometrical relationship between astronomical bodies and looking at that pattern and going, when we see this pattern, it corresponds to this kind of consciousness. Um, so as a physicist and uh, an astronomer and someone who understands Einstein's theory of relativity to some degree, um, I have often looked at astrology and thought, actually, there is a basis to it um, because we can be affected by the arrangement of the planets um, when they're in alignment with one another, and especially through the kind of gravity field that gets um, built up when things are actually in alignment with one another. They can affect the brain, and that can lead to shifts in thoughts and feelings. So it can lead to specific patterns for specific kinds of geometry. So when people talk about you know, your zodiac signs, they're really saying, well, when, you, when these planets were in this arrangement, it led to this kind of consciousness um, being prevalent uh, in the world at the time. That's really what they're saying. So in that sense, I often look at astrology in the way that it looks at geometry between the planets and say, well, I'm fine for everything in space, uh, especially gravity, is down to geometry. So if astrologers are working with geometry and Einstein was working with geometry, I don't think mm. there is that much difference. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I've done a, quite a bit of reading in this as of late, and one of the feelings that I came up with, and you, you are really expanding on it, is that we each emanate a frequency that adds to the overall vibration and also aligns with the frequency of the planet. Now, I'm going to stop with that part of it because... That was an amazing thing for me to, to understand that we each emanate, we send out a frequency that adds to the overall vibration of the planet, which means that we, each of us, in combination, in totality, as a human race, are all sending out that, is it the same frequency or is it different, Jazz? Where am I with that? Well, um, if you look at how... Um human beings are created in terms of a physical structure. They're certainly made of things like atoms and molecules. And physicists um, often look at energy particles. And what's interesting is they describe them in terms of frequency. They actually use the term resonance to describe one particle being related to another. They say um, this is a resonance of this other particle. It's literally like a harmonic of it. Um, and many, many years ago, when people were first putting together the, the basics of um, modern physics, especially around quantum physics, there was a scientist um, called Prince de Broglie who discovered that atoms, electrons, for example, um, and other atomic components, they actually seem to behave like waves. Um, and it could be calculated what frequency an electron um, would actually be vibrating at, what its wavelength would actually be. Now, if you just take that basic principle that's been proven that an electron or a particle that makes up you know, a proton um, or an atom, that each of these particles has a wavelength to it, it, it actually vibrates and pulses at a certain frequency then you can probably um, go forward with that and say, well, if we put these different particles together, then they would 
which is a combination of all those um, waves from the individual particles. It's the sum of those waves, if you will. So when you add up all the waves of all the particles in the body, then you end up with one giant wave, which is the wave of the body itself, if you like. It is the frequency of uh, the body itself. Now, the thing is, it's not a single frequency. It's made up of all the billions of particles that you know, you're made up of. But it, it does have a shape. You can imagine if you added them all together, it would be an overall shape. But it wouldn't be smooth. It would be bumpy, and it would be going up and down all over the place. It wouldn't be regular. Um, but like I said, there would be a shape to it. It would be a wave. And it, it would have a lot of what you might call component frequencies. It's like when you listen to music and you see on the uh, lit-up graphic equalizers uh, power spectrums of a particular audio um, piece of uh, music. You can see there might be a lot of bass or a lot of treble, a lot of mid-range frequencies. And um, those bar charts that you see going up and down whenever you listen to music and uh, on a music system, that's really what it's like. You, you actually compose of lots of different frequencies. And there are some that are dominant and you know, are the strongest ones. But it's when all these frequencies are in proportion in you that you are in a state of good health and you're in a state of good mind. Now, if you change the proportion of frequencies um, that are high frequencies to the lower frequencies, for example, um, you can change your physical uh, functioning. You can change your physical health. And correspondingly, you can also change the functioning of your nervous system and how your brain is and what it can pick up. And therefore, you can change your consciousness as well. And it all comes about by um, changing not specific frequencies, but actually changing uh, frequencies uh, with respect to one another. So you're changing proportions that are strong and the proportion that are actually weak. And when you do that, um, when you change the harmonies, literally, inside of a human being and their consciousness, then you change the way that person is in harmony with themselves and the world. It, it, it's a very simple kind of process. You, every particle you're made up of is actually a wave. So it has a wavelength and a frequency. You add them all together, you end up with one big wave which has lots of component frequencies. And if you want to change who you are, you've got to change the proportions of those frequencies. And um, that will change your body, and that will change also the level of consciousness that you're actually at. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it is true then. And in, in, in retrospect, my thought on this is that, in fact, if each person, you know, we take the world situation the way it is today, and very, very, you know, there's all kinds of unrest, there's all kinds of things going on, there's big things happening over in Turkey, there's big things happening in the Middle East, there's everywhere on the planet there's something going on to some and, and some people say it's catastrophic some people say it's it's the beginning of the end it's this that or it's something else and i don't know about that part but what i do know is there is a lot happening and there's a lot of control being focused upon a lot of people collectively so if we all collectively made this change this this level of consciousness where we actually change that thought process change that molecular structure we, in fact, could change the way things are in the world. Would that be right? Um, kind of. And this is something I've been doing an experiment with recently. Okay. Because I'll give you an example. Many, many years ago, many listeners might have heard of um, experiment of done in Washington for people to do transcendental meditation. And they got several thousand people to come together and all meditate together, which should be of the same consciousness. And it actually led to a change, I think, in the field around that city of consciousness to the degree where the mayor's office and the police objectively measured a 23% drop in crime rate in that city. Now, the problem is for me, I always look at things like that and go, well, why was it only 23%? <laughs> why wasn't it more? Right, right. Um, and what I discovered was the people who came together, they all had the same intention. They had a very common intention, a common goal, if you will. Um, but the route in their lives that they were taking, the paths that they were taking to achieve their goals in life, were all very different. They were all coming from very different directions. Now, you can have people come together with the same intention, but if they're coming from very different directions, 
then some of those energies will kind of cancel each other out and you're not going to get as strong an impact as you could. I, I compare it often to a torch and a laser. A torch has lots of light particles coming out of it in random directions, mostly in a forward direction. And they're not really very coherent and lined up with each other. You can put your hand in front of a torch and your hand wouldn't get hurt. You'd feel some warmth, perhaps, and that's about it. But with a laser, all the light particles are in concert with one another. They're coherent with each other. They're in line with each other. They're aligned with each other. They're all moving and more or less following the same path as well. So they're heading for the same place and they're taking the same route there. Now, when you put larger particles together like that, you don't want to put your hand in front of them. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably get your hand you know, burnt or where cut in half. And that's what happens when you don't just get um, energy heading in the same direction, but you get it to follow paths which are all complementary to each other. And I think if the world wants to be different, then it's no good everybody having the same intention. Everybody needs to be following paths which um, actually complement one another. They don't necessarily need to all be heading in the, taking the same path because there are some things that are going to have to be supported. There are other things that are going to have to be challenged. Um, and right, it means right. you, you might have to take different routes. So I think the world can change. However, you need to get people who are learning lessons um, to come together so that they can join each other on one another's path uh, rather than actually work against each other. So in that instance, it really comes down to learning. If, if you want to change the world, then are you prepared to go through the learning that will enable that to take place? And unfortunately, what I've found is that there's a lot of people who don't have the will power to learn the lessons they need to in order to make a difference. And I found it comes down to that one factor. You may have free will um, to do things, but if you're not using all of it to make a difference, if there's any remainder in you, then you'll probably find that you're going to be subject to an unusual law there is in the universe, which is this. If you don't use up all your free will, you don't get more. If the amount of free will that you've got is not enough to make a difference, then you really have to obviously go about finding more power or empowerment, I would say, uh, to make a difference. And what I've discovered is a unique kind of effect that happens, which is when you use up all the power that you have, rather than doing things in a half-hearted way, the universe looks at what you're doing and says, ah, here's someone who's using everything that they were given, and they're not wasting anything. So what happens in that moment is the universe actually goes, um, this person's showing respect, so that's the kind of human being or life form that should actually be nurtured. So an unusual thing happens when you use all of the power that you have at your disposal rather than approaching things half-heartedly, which is the universe actually gives you more. It gives you more willpower. And one of the consequences of clearing up your past and honoring your future instead is that you get synchronicities and coincidences start to happen in your life. And if you've got a willpower that can take advantage of those synchronicities, then those synchronicities and coincidences start to accelerate. You actually start getting them to join up. And people's synchronicities join up with other people's synchronicities. And you start to get a shift in vibration happening between people. But that shift in vibration, it can only happen if people use all of the free will they have and don't do anything from a half-hearted perspective and they work with other people to learn the lessons that will actually enable them to free their will completely and to use their will completely. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And, and, and we wonder why um, people say we need to change the world, we need to change the world. Jazz, I've got to relate to something in my own profession uh, as a strategic interventionist, also as a hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner in the program I put together, which is I call it 21 Days to Change Your Mind because 
it isn't that we can't change our mind like snapping fingers and we can change state. We, we know we can do this. We can get a person that's crying their eyes out about something, and then the next second you can cause them to feel laughter, and they go into this roar of laughter. So we know we can change our mind very quickly on a conscious level. Subconscious level is a little different. And when you talk about all this free will, yes, we were born with free will. We were born with a unique ability. Uh, as far as we know, the, probably the only, one of the only creatures in the earth, so to speak, that, that can do this, uh, that we can change our mind. We can move to a level of, okay, this is not right. This needs to be changed. But again, you said it's got to be everybody's got to learn and they've got to learn the same thing. They've got to have the vibrations going to be lined up, and then the intention, everybody's intention is going to be focused, as in that example you gave. And I know in healing I've seen the same thing. Uh, as you know, as you well know, because you've studied the Eastern medicines and, and the Western, and what happens is right now I believe it's either Japan or China, and I think it's Japan, has a hospital that's non-medicine, and it is healers that come in collectively three or four or possibly even five and they look at a person that potentially has a tumor and they look at the CAT scan and it says, yep, there's a tumor, there it is and they heal that person which I, I found totally amazing that that level of intention that they're focusing on this person is in fact healing that person and that tumor was actually dissolving as they put the the uh, you know the the equipment over it to see that it was doing that. Now I'm not trying to go off to that direction. That's like a subject for a whole other talk. However, it brings me to this point. I know with clients, they have issues in life, debilitating beliefs, low self-esteem based on childhood trauma, etc. They're trying to figure out and overcome this, and in fact, they don't have enough willpower to want to go in with us and be guided to changing their minds and, and, and I call it a level of, of, in, of intention you know is your intention to really want to do something about this issue in life or is it not and I think it kind of parallels I mean because we're human after all uh, which is absolutely amazing and thank you for that script because it really 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 is amazing and I can't believe how our time's flying away here Jazz we got like 13 minutes of show left I was like what? Come on now, <laughs> this has been great. We had talked uh, about a guided meditation you do. Do you have enough time that we can talk about that, or do we not? Do we have to save it? Oh, no, we should do that now. Um, this is called uh, Into the Gap um, because it literally takes you into the gap between dimensions and allows you to find where your center is, not just in physical space, but your center in terms of your consciousness. It's what a lot of people would call the source or the field. Uh, there's a number of different names for it. But um, I'll just give a bit of preamble and say that when people breathe normally, um, the body actually uses breathing and the way that you breathe as a timekeeper uh, to monitor experience of the flow of time. So when you take a breath in and when you take a breath out, that's the body um, being able to recognize that you are experiencing the flow of time. Now, the weird thing is that there's this little space between breathing in and breathing out and breathing out and breathing in where you're not actually breathing. There's a gap, it's like a pause. And in that space, in that moment where you're not breathing in or out, in that moment, your body is technically not experiencing time. It's actually frozen in time in that little moment. Now, it doesn't mean that you can keep yourself frozen in time permanently by just holding your breath. That's not the way it works. Um, it's to do with actually getting your consciousness to enter into that gap uh, while you're breathing. If you can do that, you can get beyond your breathing. You can actually enter into a deeper layer where there is not just a flow of breath, but a flow of thought. And equally, there is a gap um, a space between your thoughts, which if you were to go through it, into it, you'd find yourself at a deeper layer of, of emotion, where, again, there are spaces between those emotions. And if you can move through them, you'll arrive at a place where there's a flow of energy. And there are spaces in these streams of energy that if you can get through them um, with your consciousness, you'll actually arrive at a place which is 
where everything kind of originates from. And you can access it with your own consciousness. So what I'd like to do is just spend 10 minutes um, to finish off today by taking people on that journey, taking them to actually connect in to the source of energy within them through which everything sprouts up into their physical being and into their, into their consciousness. Shall we do that? Yeah, we've got exactly 10 minutes to show up before we're off here, but I'll tell you what we'll do, folks. Uh, you that are live on the air, unfortunately, when we run out of time, the system's going to shut us off because we'll have had our hour show. But if we have to, we will go a minute or two after. So if you hit the record later, you'll be able to hear the entire thing. So let's go. Let's do it. Well, we can do a five-minute version, so it gives you some time to close up. So let's do that. Um, okay. So what I'd like listeners to do is literally just notice their breathing. Breathe normally. Don't change the rate of breathing. But what I'd like you to do specifically is pay attention to the point where you're not breathing in or breathing out. It's that space between your breath in and your breath out and also between your breath out and uh, when you're just about to start breathing in again. Um, I don't want you to stop there. I just want you to, on passing, notice how your body feels um, as you move through that space where you're not breathing in and you're not breathing out in between the breath in and breath out, and vice versa. Um, just do that for a couple of breaths. You don't need to do it for very long. And what I'd like you to do is the more you put your attention on that space as you pass it by, you'll find quite naturally that you can spend more and more time there um, while continuing to actually breathe uh, very, very normally. So your breath will appear quite normal, but your consciousness may think that you're actually starting to spend more time in that space where you're not breathing. You may even think that you're not breathing. Um, now, don't worry about that. Your body knows how to breathe and how to take in energy. So if you think you've stopped breathing, um, it's not likely that you really have. Um, now, when you find yourself in that position where you feel like you're almost um, able to put your entire consciousness into that empty space between your breath in and breath out, and between your breath out and breath in, then you'll probably be able to connect to the next level of energy of your being, which is not physical layer, but it's to do with your mental layer, your thoughts. And equally, if you think of there being a conveyor belt in front of you where thoughts are coming along the conveyor belt, what I'd like you to do is just pick up each thought, acknowledge it, and put it to one side, and saying that you'll give it some energy later. And keep doing this with each thought that emerges along the conveyor belt. And what you'll find is, after a bit of time, the space between each thought and the next one gets bigger and bigger. Eventually, you'll find that you're waiting quite some time for the next thought to come, and it's just this big space. At that point, just literally move your consciousness and attention into that space and enter into uh, a place where you're going to find all your feelings. Do the same thing here. Move your feelings along that conveyor belt, acknowledge them, and that's how you're going to give them energy later. Keep doing it until space between the feelings eventually gets so big that you're waiting, it seems, forever for the next feeling to come. When the space is big enough for you to step into it, go right into it, and you'll find that you're stepping into a field of energy, which is literally going to be moving along that conveyor belt, that pulse of energy. As each pulse comes, acknowledge it and put it to one side, and keep doing it until there's very big space between one pulse of energy and the next. At that point, step through into the space, and you would have arrived at the place where all those pulses of energy came from, the positive energy that feeds your emotions and feeds your thoughts and that feeds your breath and your physical body. At this point, you can be still because you know there's no thoughts, there's no feelings, and it's not even in the energy. You can spend as long as you like here, and when you're ready, just take a return journey. As you go through the stream of energy pulses, um, take them with you, and then as you come up to the feeling, pick up each of the feelings and give them the energy that they need in order for them to be nurtured. Come up to the level of thought and each of the thoughts that you put to one side, give them the energy they need and return them back into yourself. 
And lastly, as you come up into your breath, actually give your energy to each part of your breath. Breath in and breath out, so that you can take nourishing energy in and release energy that you no longer need from your body. When you arrive at that point, um, step out that gap between breathing in and breathing out, and just um, bring yourself back to the room and allow yourself to just sit still for a while before you finally get up and do anything else. Now, that exercise brought into the gap, and I did it very quickly, but I think you can get the essence of it. You, when you do it, you might want to take longer over each stage, uh, as long as you actually want to ensure that it's as complete as possible. But that is effectively the essence of it. You're literally taking a trip down to your source from which everything springs, your energy, your, your thoughts, your, your uh, feelings, your physical uh, functioning. All of that comes from there. So when you come up, you get to nurture everything that requires energy and you get to be vitalized as a consequence of that. So your mind and your body both get nurtured. And it's a wonderful thing to enable you to get anchored into a source of energy which is infinite and is always available to you. And one of the consequences is because you're going to a place where there is no breath or thoughts or feelings, it's kind of timeless down there. And it means that the more you do this exercise, the more you actually free yourself of the flow of time. And don't be too surprised if you start not just feeling vitalized, but you actually start to feel vitalized in a way where you feel younger, you feel more alive, you feel more clear in your mind, and you feel more um, you know, vibrant in terms of your connection with the world. So don't, expect, don't, don't be too surprised if that sort of thing actually happens. Um, and find it every day and see how young you get uh, and how quickly it happens. I, I love the part about getting younger. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, it's serious. I, I felt some phenomenal change there because I was able to stay in the moment longer and longer, as you said, to do that. And I think people get they get scared a little bit, like, oops, I'm not breathing, you know, that in between, that, that moment in between. And that that's something that amazes me. That is the moment. That is really the moment because you're actually stretching the moment where you're staying in that place in between. And that is really total relaxation, Josh. Thank you so very, very much. That's awesome. Really fantastic. Folks, you should you should get further in touch with Jazz on this because, you know, he does quite a bit of this also in his coaching programs as well as his talks in London. And we are going to be getting together sometime later this year to do a live event, uh, Authentic You Presentations. We have a group of us that are going to be coming over to London and we're going to be having a, a two-day event and Jazz is going to be there. So we're going to have a wonderful time meeting a lot of great people and, and really getting to do this in person along with a lot of great speakers. And that said, my gosh, we're just about out of time. This has been really fantastic, Jazz. Uh, I want to thank you so very, very much, and I definitely want to get together with you again. We'll, uh, I'm going to get some enhanced audio here for the next round so we don't have to deal with Skype with its, with its in and out and its lag and whatever. But I, I hope everybody got to hear that that Jazz was saying to you because absolutely fantastic, fantastic information, sir. Thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, for Jeffrey, for inviting me. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, hang on there with me for a minute. Well, we've got about a minute or so before we go. Uh, I want to let everybody know also that our Authentic You Media, Authentic You Presentations, uh, we've got quite a few fantastic shows on air. Check out our our lineup, and we've got six brand new shows about to debut between now and the first of the week of July. So stay tuned to that. And uh, we will, as I said, Jazz, give everybody your contact information so they know how to get a hold of you, please. Yeah, sure. A lot of things I've uh, been talking about today can be found uh, on my website and also in my book that's coming up uh, in the next few months that people can pre-order from the website. Um, if you go to Energy Diamond, dot com. Um, you can find my details there. You can contact me through the contact page. If you want to find about the book, the book's called Sacred Blueprints, and you'll find that on the website too, energydiamond.com forward slash sacred blueprints, and uh, you'll see um, details about the book, which will cover a lot of the things that we talked about today. And if you 
pre-order it before the end of next week. I believe you get a third off the published price um, when it gets published in, in August. Fantastic. Thank you very much. That's energydiamond.com, everybody. i got about 30 seconds left. Next week on our show, we have also from London, Sarah Ellis. Sarah is a radio show host and also a hypnotherapist, so stay tuned. And thank you all. Thank you again, Jez. Thanks for being with us on Interviews with Authentic You, Authentic You Radio, international radio for you and your enjoyment. Thanks, folks, and have a lovely day, and we'll see you next week. And thank you again, Jez. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.